You're listening to the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast. We hope this message speaks to you and encourages you. You can find more messages by searching Catalyst Church of Carrollton on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learn more at IamCatalyst.net. Will you stand with me? Tell, say, say I'm ready. ready. All right. That's what I'm ready to preach. I'm ready uh, just to speak into you online. I know we got fall break. Whether you're watching it now or later because you're sleeping in, if you're kind of fam or if you receive from us online, share the video. If you're in the room, you better share it. It's free ministry, and I got something to say. Tell somebody, say, he does. You may not like it, but he does. Yes. Um, so the gospel, here it is, straight up. Here it is. You can take your marriage back. You can take your, it's fan day. I got to beef it up a little bit. I got to go hype today. Uh, it is fan, I'm telling you, you don't have to be a fan either. You don't have to sit on the sidelines like everybody that got a sucky team they like, like I do right now. Uh, Auburn, uh, very disappointed. We won't talk about it though. Um, uh, it ain't like that. You can take your life back. You can take your family back. You can take your marriage back. You can take your joy back. You can take your confidence back. You can take your life and relationship with God back. Oh, I'm taking out the phone. It's for real. And then I'm going to fall too. You can take the things that you walked away from that you never thought you would get back back. Say this with me. Say, take yours back. Don't say it to your neighbor. Say it to another section. Say, take yours back. Last week I talked about God. Your I talked about God's place, but today I'm talking about your place. Say, take it back. Take it back. Lord, help us see this and receive this for what it is, and make it what it needs to be in our life. Because you offer so much that we leave on the table because we don't take our place at the table. And Lord, it is the gospel. It is not easy news, but it is good news. Help us take you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen. You better yell at everybody around you. Be rude today as you're seated. Say, take it back. One thing I've learned as I've gotten older and I've embraced and realized that I'm not a, quite a veteran yet is that perspective comes with experience. If you do it right, perspective comes with experience. Now, you can get older and not get wiser if you don't do it right, but perspective comes with experience. There are things that I don't blink at that I would have been crippled in anxiety five years ago, two years ago, 15 years ago. Perspective. As you get older, perspective comes with experience. And David wrote Psalms 23. He wasn't a dying man. We like to preach it at funerals, but Psalms 23 has nothing to do with death. This was a seasoned man that wrote this. He was a mature man when he wrote Psalm 23. Not a dying man. This is not something I tell everybody, don't you dare read this psalm at my funeral. You better read it in my life or don't read it at all. And I want you to see it because it is very, very, very special when you read it for what it is. I love verse 5 of Psalm 23. Most of you don't even have to go to church. You've been to a funeral. You heard this one. Verse 5 says, you prepare a table. Say table. Say it again. Say table. Table. Before me in the presence of my enemies. I don't want you to miss this. I don't want you to miss this. David was a soldier. See, a king back then had to be a great soldier too. David was a soldier. He fought a lot of battles. He killed giants. But when he matures and he did what I'm about to preach to you is perspective. This ain't the pretend. This ain't social media perspective. This is this is real. This ain't filtered perspective. This is perspective from a man that fought some battles, made some massive mistakes, but he grew through them and he got you don't. this ain't cheap perspective. And he's a soldier. Don't miss that. He's a soldier. And what he says is, he said he prepares a table for me, a table in the presence of my, my enemies, not a battlefield. This is a soldier. He didn't say a battlefield. A man that fought battles and won wars and was one of the greatest kings did not say when he got maturity and perspective that God prepares a battlefield for me. He said a table. A table. Wars usually end. They are waged on the field. They are ended usually at a table. Come on. Ooh, 
Wars, it is decided when a war is no longer worthy to be battled, uh, to, be fought, to be waged. Where does it happen? A table. In solitude. Not in battle. When you're battling, all you think about is fighting. So David, one of the greatest soldiers, who in his teenage years, he didn't have the, he didn't have the strength to kill Goliath. He had the wisdom to kill Goliath because he knew that he needed a sling. He knew he couldn't fight him man to man. He fought him with what he was good at and he killed him. That's how you fight life. He was wise in his teenage years. But when he actually got some perspective with experience, he said God prepares a table, a level head, not a wounded spirit. Clarity, gentleness, wisdom, discretion, Don't miss this. This is a man who has grown up. This is a grown man, not an old man. We preach this like this man was taking his last breath. When he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he wasn't talking about his last breath. He was talking about every breath. He finally realized God will never leave me even when I leave him. Tell somebody, say, this is perspective. This ain't cheap stuff right here. This is that stuff you get on your knees and you get sorting through and wrestling like Jacob did. His name was changed to Israel because he decided to wrestle and not to run. David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. This is a soldier. He says, he's he's talking about vulnerability here. Open fields. Open fields leave you open for attack when you're a soldier. And what David says is he makes me lie down. Not just be vulnerable, but I'm at peace. I lie down. I would rather be open to be attacked. Open to be an attack. Than to be closed off the blessing and opportunity into what God wants to give me. This is a man that lived his life being hyper vigilant. He said, I'm not gonna be vigilant. I am gonna be at peace. I'm going to lay down. My, I'm going to lay down in green fields. I'm not gonna be guarded. I'm not gonna be closed. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be suspicious because people hurt me. I, he prepares a table. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. This is peace. See, he's, he's, very, he's acknowledging you're going to have tough seasons. You're going to have lean seasons. You're going to have King souls that try to sabotage and kill what God wants to do in you just like he did. But he said, he makes me lie down, lie down in green pastures. My mind is still waters. I'm at peace. You can have peace. Tell somebody, but you got to take it back. You got to take it back. This is perspective. Peace. You can take it back. And David says he prepared. My cup runneth over. He got to the end of his life and he said, or or, the latter part of his life and he said, goodness and mercy. David went through hell for long seasons and he says, surely I am certain that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I am stalked by goodness and mercy. This is perspective right here, y'all. And he said, he says he... He says to me, he prepares a, a table, a table, a table, a table. You're, you're not aimless when you're sitting at a table. You're not running all over the place when you're sitting with a t- at a table. You're not trying to find the next thing to make you feel happy. And fa- you're, not, you're, you're not running around trying to find a man or woman to make you happy at a table. He says God prepares. He didn't say David prepared. He said God prepares a table. I'm not trying, not a table to take shots at your enemies, to talk around them, not to to, to attack them, not to, he he says, I prepare a table, a level peace in the presence of my enemies. This is, this is real stuff. This is real maturity catalyst church. And before I move on in this message, I want you to know there is one seat at this table in this illustration because I'm not talking about your wife, your husband's seat and place and table. I'm not talking about your kids or your employer. I'm not talking about the things that happened to you back here. God has prepared a place, a table for you. God prepared it, but you better take it. Because God can prepare a place for you that you never really take the seat that he gave you. So when I'm preaching today, don't you dare think about who needs to hear this. You need to hear it. This is about your place. This is about your table. This is about your seat. This is about yours. It's for his glory, but he offers it to you. And your obedience is what gets it taken. Not what you present, what you, the appearances you put on. 
So I want you to see some of David's process and how he got to this place, this perspective. And my goal and my hope is that it will help you embrace, encourage you to embrace your process and take your place. Because it doesn't look like David's, but it's still the gospel. It doesn't look like mine. Mine doesn't look like yours. But God has a place for you. I don't care if you're 90 or 9. God has a place for you. He has prepared a place for you in the presence of your enemies, your, your family. He's got something for you. He prepared it, but you better take it. Say, take yours back. Take yours back. Get yourself together. Let's start there. Can we just say it? Say, get it together. Get it together. This may seem simple, but it is hard to apply. Get it together. David had a son who was every bit as talented. Maybe more so. Maybe more of a leader. Had incredible talent and potential and promise, but he didn't have a lot of character. Or he didn't grow his character. And when you aren't growing, you're dying. You can be a good man, a good woman, and turn into a bad one if you let yourself go and get complacent. And Absalom was a talented man. And what he started to do is he got prideful and he got, he got unclear and he tried to overthrow his daddy's kingdom. And he almost did it. David had to take off running just like he did with King Saul back in the day. Uh, but it cost Absalom his life. David's son died trying to kill and take his, David's, his, son, or his daddy's throne. And David is grieving where we're about to pick it up because, yes, his soldiers, his soldiers fought and defeated Absalom's men that Absalom turned against their king and his daddy. And so it caused So Absalom is dead and his soldiers are wanting to be They're like, we did it for you. But King David is grieving because, yes, it's a complicated story. And Absalom became the man he is partly because of his daddy's mistakes and pride. So David is grieving things that the soldiers know nothing about because Absalom had the same womanizing tendencies as his daddy. And so King David is in grief just like we are when we're grieving our kids or grieving our parents and people say you need to move forward. Move forward. You're like you don't know how hard it, how heavy it is. It was complicated. But what was behind David was not what Joab, we're about to see what he was talking about. Because it doesn't matter how complicated what behind you is. It doesn't matter the mistakes you made behind you. What matters is God has prepared a place for you. And today is when you take that place. So David is in a lot of complex and complicated and very deep grief. And it says Joab, who was David's main dude, Joab was told that the king was crying and mourning Absalom. Do you imagine? I say my life was spared. But my son was killed. I got my kingdom back, but I lost my kid. He was a bad, he was bad. He did some terrible things, but he was mine. It's terrible pain. Joab was told that the king was crying and mourning Absalom. So the the victory that day was turned into mourning. For all the troops, the ones that fought for David, they won the game. They got his kingdom back. They had to kill his son to get his kingdom because Absalom was going to kill all of them if he, they didn't. So Turned to mourning for all the troops because they heard that day that the king was grieving for his son. So that day, the troops crept back into the city like soldiers creep back in, ashamed after they fled from battle. The king covered his face. This is David, y'all. David didn't play. He was raw. The king covered his face and cried out with a loud voice, Oh, my son, Absalom. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. You imagine screaming, crying in the pillow from the pain. Maybe you hadn't lost a kid, but you've lost something. He's crying. And it's intense. And, you know, I talk about a lot of those feelings a lot of time, but tell somebody to say, not today. Because there's still a place for you to take. No matter how heavy it is, there is a place, there is a seat, there is a table for you, and you got to take it. Joab came to the king inside and said, Today you have humiliated all your servants who saved your life today, David. Oh, Joab wasn't afraid. He was coming right to the king with the truth. Not to mention the lies of your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your secondary wives. Uh, they, they had them side chicks back then. Just It cost them too, trust me. People say, well, the Bible says it's okay. Well, look at what the men, I mean, it killed David's life too. By loving 
those who hate you and hating those who love you. You have literally, you've lost your mind. Today, you have announced that the commanders and their soldiers are nothing to you because I know that if Absalom were alive today, that the rest and the rest of us dead because Absalom would have killed all of them. That would be perfectly fine with you. You're in here whining and wallowing in grief and you don't even know. You need to step up. Say get, it, say, get it together. Now get up and go out and encourage your followers. I'm going to stop right there for a minute. He says, um, he says you, need, well, you have wallowed long enough, David. You have wallowed long enough, David. Long enough. Because grief is different for everybody. Sure. But there comes a time for every, the, the parts of it are the, that are the same, whether you lose a dog, a job, a marriage, your mind for a season, whether you lose your family because you did something stupid. All I know is grief, grief is different, but the, the, the place that it's the same is there comes a time where when you overgrieve and you don't move forward, it doesn't just cost you, it, it affects those you love, those who didn't leave you, those who didn't leave you, those who haven't left, those who love you and are still here and want to see you live and do life with you. It doesn't just cost you life, it costs the people you love life. And David said, it is, or Joab said, it is time to get yourself together. You've got people out there who fought for you, who risked their lives for you, who risked being there for you. Catalyst, there is nothing new. Nothing's changed. There are people who look up to you, who believe in you, who, who are for you, who invested a lot in you. They see you in ways you don't see yourself. Say, get it together. You've got people who, I mean, my gosh, y'all, you've got people who have parents and people that believe in your potential. It's time you have a place. You have somebody that needs you to win, that wants you to win. You may not think it. You may feel like the world's just better off without you. You've got a place and it's time for you to take it. So get it together. Get it together. There are so many people that love you. There are so many people that want to see you win, and you're sitting there wallowing. And when you've wallowed, when you've overgrieved, Joab says, Oh, I got the wrong thing. When you overgrieve, Joab says, I swear to the Lord. I swear to God, David. I love the things that don't change. I swear to God, David. That if you don't get out there, not one man will stick with you tonight. And, there, and, and that will be more trouble for you than all the trouble that you faced from your youth until now. He says, you just think your childhood was bad, David. You just, you just think that you didn't have no mama and you had a daddy that didn't care about you and neglected you. You just think that what King Saul did for you when you ran in caves for like 13 years, he ran for his life to, not, to do things the right way when King Saul was jealous of him. He went through hell and Joab says, you just think that was bad. If you don't get yourself together, it's going to be way worse. You ain't seen bad yet. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, if you, don't if you don't get yourself together, you just, your life will not just not get better. It's, you ain't seen the worst days yet. You just think hiding at home in your couch instead of coming to church because you're scared to come to church. It doesn't get better there. It doesn't get better not showing up for work. It doesn't get better living on your last warning because you can't get up and be on time. It doesn't get better holding back and hiding because, and not even being honest with your spouse about how bad you're hurting. It only gets worse. Joab says, I swear to God, David, if you don't get yourself together... If you don't get up and go out there right now and actually address and lead the people that the place that God has given you, if you don't get yourself together and take it, it's gonna be bad. It's gonna be bad. So get yourself together. And it says, so the king, so the king went and sat down in the city gate. All the troops were told that the king was sitting in the gate. So they came before the king. Let me tell you something about the gate. The gate is where the king handled disputes. This was his responsibility. 
Not just for his, the people that look to him to celebrate him and respect him. This is his gate, his role, his responsibility was to handle disputes. And that gate sat empty. That seat that God gave David sat empty because he was in there whining and wallowing. And it was terrible and it was grieve worthy. But God said, if you want your place that I prepared you, you better take it or I'll give it to somebody else. You better lead your family or don't you dare get mad when your wife or your husband leaves you and gets somebody that actually loves your kids because you really ain't that faithful. You'd rather work and give them a bunch of stuff and not yourself. Come on. Say, get it together. Get it together. Get it together. And the Bible says David took his seat. He took his place, his gate. And here's the thing about a gate. Every one of you got one. I don't know how long you've run. I don't know how much junk you've done. It doesn't really even matter. The point is God has given you gifts, abilities, responsibilities, opportunities, people, money. You're broke, but you got something. What you doing with that extra? Going to get you a Big Mac? I just want to have something. Well, quit spending it when you do got something. Every one of you got a gate. God has given you a place, a seat, a gate. This is the good news. It's not the easiness. You've got a seat. You've got a responsibility. And David took his back. Catalyst Church, you better take ownership in your life. It's time to man up or woman up. Can you just say it, whether it's a female or a male next to you, say you better man up or woman up. You better take ownership of your life. It's time to take initiative, y'all. It's time to take initiative. You have been pissed off. You have pushed away good people. You have sabotaged good opportunities. You have blamed everybody for too long. Say, get it together. You got too much at stake. God has a gate, a place, a seat. Quit talking about everybody else's seat. Quit talking about the people that left your stable. You better get it together because Joab said, David, if you don't, they ain't never going to read about you in the Bible in history. Your story ends today if you don't get out there and take your place. Fathers, you better take your place. You better take your place at the gate, your family. You better take your place at your seat, at your table, because you got a family to lead. You better quit letting your wife do all the praying over your kids. Oh, I got some wives in the place that you won't even pray over your kids. You won't even pray over me like this. I ain't going to do that. That's being vulnerable. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You'll watch YouTube videos alone on preaching just so you don't have to talk about it or hear nobody else know you're hearing preaching. Get yourself together. It's time for somebody to put a ring on the finger. You better Beyonce somebody right now. You better, I mean, I mean, they did not hurt you. You quit you quit treating them like they hurt you. They are for you, and they've been by your side for years, and they deserve better. So put a ring on it or let them go because they deserve better if you're gonna sit here and stay in some wounds. He says it is time for you to take a seat, crap or get off the pots. What my papa said. Take your place. Oh, I got some people, you, you, like, you ain't waiting on somebody to ask you nothing. You just need to say yes. What? You've been scored and wounded and you've been pushing other men away and playing the field. Take your place. But if you don't, it's going to get worse. It ain't going to get better. It ain't going to get better. When you're struggling, all my people at home, all my people in here, when life hits you hard, this is where you should be. I just need some, I just need some life. I'm grieving. I'm so depressed. Well, this is where you should be. When you're depressed, this is where you should be. When you're there, you're not here. I love you, but I'm not afraid to tell you the truth. If you want some lighter messages, there's some down the road, but I'm telling you the truth. Because Joab told David the truth. He risked his life to tell his king the truth because a king could take off his head too. Well, we like taking off heads on social media. Oh, somebody tells us something. We like taking off heads. Joab still said, I'm going to tell you the truth. Get it together, David. Get it together. You've been blaming your parents your whole life. You were grown and got kids and are doing the same thing to them, blaming your parents. You are a grown Get it together. God has a table. He has a place for you. 
Quit blaming them. They were sure they were broken, and you're broken at 45. Blaming them for being broken. At some point, you have to say, just like David, and I ain't even got to the mistakes he made. You have to say, God has prepared for me a place. I am taking my place. No weapon formed against my family. I am repenting of my sin. I'm not talking about everybody else's pride and Joe Biden and Donald Trump. I'm talking about man. It ain't about their seats. It's about my seat. It is for his glory, but God gives it to you. He prepares it, but will you take it? Get it together. Get it together. You may not move on, but you better move forward. There's some things you got to get it together. Tell somebody, say, get it together one more time. Uh, I ain't done with that. I'm coming back to it. I'm not done yet. I'm not done with that. Lose the weight. Work the two jobs. Actually, yeah, let's go to the next point. No, let's go to the next point. Say, say, um, say get yourself up. Dang, got the wrong thing again. Mess me up. I ain't got my podium up here. That's why I don't do illustrations, y'all. I tell stories. I'm trying to challenge myself. Come on. Got it. I'm trying to challenge myself. I ain't, I ain't, I'm not preaching to you. I'm trying to practice this mess. Come on, Say, get yourself up. David made the biggest mistake of all of our lives. David got lazy. A man who was a soldier, he got lazy. And the Bible says when he was supposed to be fighting with his soldiers, it was the season he was supposed to fight with soldiers, he stayed back. And see, when you stay back from things that you should be stepping forward to, it's only a matter of time till you mess up. Telling Bradford this summer, we were both talking. Bradford said, you notice that every time sin and mistakes happen, it happens with complacency first. Oh, I'm just going to miss this day of work. Oh, I'm just tired. I'm going to take a little break from spiritual whatever you do. David stayed back from a war that he was supposed to be fighting. When you run from wars you should be fighting, you better get ready because you're, you're, t- you're getting up from your seat, your place. He did. And so what happened is he ended up, instead of fighting a war with his soldiers, he was creeping and sleeping with one of his soldiers' wife while they were gone. Worse than that, Joker got her pregnant. Then he tried to cover it up, so he gets Uriah, the soldier, to come back. Hey, you know, because he played manipulative, you know, because kings, bosses, supervisors, we all do it. I'm going to let you sleep with your wife. You're a good soldier. So that at least he could have, say, it ain't my kid. Nobody ever know, even if it looks like David. Ain't nobody ever going to think, oh, that's the king's wife, I mean, the king's kid. Uriah's this type of faithful, this type of good man. He says, I can't go sleep with my wife when I got my men are out there fighting. I will not have sex with my wife until my men get to come home and have sex with their wives. Come on now. That type of faithful, that's who Uriah was. And David said, he put him on the front line. He murdered him. To cover up what he did. We do that all the time. You will run a man or woman's reputation in the ground to cover up your own crowd. We are no different than David. It's just back then it cost a man his life. Not just family reputation. Not just years of trauma because they got fired at a job they didn't deserve to get fired at. We do it all the time. You run your ex in the ground because you're bitter. Doesn't matter if you justify. Bitterness is bitterness. So he ends up. Man ends up having to eat a lot of guilt. And he does. He deals with it faithfully. But the baby that was born out of infidelity gets born. Short story, baby dies. And this is where we pick up. You're talking about a death of a baby. That baby wasn't his fault. And David's once again faced with, cornered with decisions. Grief from his own mistakes. He's lived long enough. You ever, you know, we live long enough. We're going to make some mistakes of our own. It's easy to critic, criticize everybody else and your parents until you get grown enough to make the mistakes. You're like, oh, man, I'm not as perfect as I thought. It says, then David, then David rose from the ground. This is after the baby dies. He realizes the baby's dead. He's not going to live. Then David rose from the ground, bathed, anointed himself, and changed his clothes. He got up. He requested food, which was brought to him, and he ate. Why are you acting this way? His servants asked When the child was alive, you fasted and cried and kept watch. But now that the child is dead, you decide to get up and eat. David replies, while the child was alive, I fasted and I wept because I thought, who knows? The Lord may have mercy on me and let the child live. 
He said, I prayed for the miracle. I got some people in here this year that you prayed for the miracle, but they still died. You prayed for the breakthrough, but you still did. you didn't get it the way you thought you were going to get it. You still lost your job. You still lost everything. David said, I did everything I could. He fasted for like seven days. He prayed, God, please heal my child, but the child died. And David said, this is why I'm getting up. He's dead. But now, but he's dead now. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? No. I'm going where he is, but he won't come back to me. Tell somebody, say, get up. He got up. He put his garment on. He put his nice clothes on. He hadn't eaten in seven days because he was fasting and believing God for a miracle. He didn't get it. He goes back to the table at his house. First, he goes in the temple and worships. He goes to the table at his house. He has a meal, and he moves forward. He got up. Say, get up. Get up. Sometimes it's going to take your plowing season. Young couples. Young people, college students, you don't get to you don't get to be you don't get to run the business till you punch the clock. You are in plowing season. You're gonna have to work a few more hours right now. There's times in your life you've got to get up. You got marriage issues? Work on your, quit working on your marriage issues and look in the mirror first. Because your wife and husband are not gonna listen to what they did wrong until you begin to look in the mirror. Say, get up. He said, I got to get up. He's dead. I can't go to him. I'll see him one day, but I got to live today because it doesn't matter what happened yesterday or last year. This is today. Say, take yours back. Take it back. Take it back. Every one of us have to get up. We have to get up. You don't want to get up? may not be laziness. It may be absolute stress and pressure and anxiety. But if you don't want, sometimes to, to not let anxiety and depression and your past rule your future and define and decide it, you got to get up. I've talked about my back issues over the years. I, I don't think I've ever really said all the things that I have, you know, I have Tourette syndrome. So years of pressure and ticks on my back. I have compression fractures in my back. And my spine, if they ever destabilize, I'm in trouble. I have chronic muscle spasms all day. Scarring and fibrosis from years of ticks in my back. If you look at my back, Dr. Kirby gets to see it every time he puts Botox injections in it. And he gets to see how my back muscles are much more aged than an almost 37-year-old man. I have bulging discs. Last year, y'all, y'all, you guys that were here last year when I was in all that stress, I was worshiping like this. Because I couldn't lift this arm because of the pinched nerve. I had four pinched nerves in my neck from just severe ticks going through all the stress. And two of them, it looked like a water hose clamping my, my, my spinal nerve. It's terrible. And last year there were certain things I couldn't do. But I had to day by day because I know what God does as you get up. The only difference in last year and this year is supernatural. And, 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 and I decided, God, I'm going to take you up because just because I'm hurting doesn't mean I'm done. So I want to show you a picture. It happened day by day, one decision at a time. I want to show you a picture of me and Garrett moving our stuff out. Can we run those two? We got in a box truck, Tim Buckhannon. If you're watching, you are a blessing. Me and Garrett, my 14-year-old, loaded that truck up. It ain't pretty. It ain't efficient. But me and him did it. I could not even lift the spaghetti pot the year before. I was trying to clean up dinner because that was my thing. You know, Angie's love language is acts of service. I wish he just talked sweet like me. Uh, spaghetti just rolls all over. I couldn't even pick it up to, to put leftovers in. And, and, um, and, I, and I did this, and, and, and I was hurting. Boy. We came home. Angie was worried. I ain't going to lie to you. She was like, I slept on multiple heating pads. I went to sleep, rested, got up the next day. We did it all weekend and had the help come that, that weekend. I prepared, did all my church stuff, and preached on Sunday. People ask me, why you do that? Why you do that? Why you do that? I'm going to tell you why I do it. Because I want my family. I want my sons. I want, my, I want anybody who's paying attention to know that sometimes you just got to get up. Sometimes you're not going to see his glory till you decide to get up. I want Garrett. I want all my sons. I want my son, my, my, my bonus son over here that I'm doing their wedding in two weeks. Don't want to talk about it. It's two weeks away. I want them to know sometimes you got to get up hurting. 
People tell me all the time, they're like, hey, you and Angie need to rest. You need to rest. You need to rest. And I, I get the sentiment. They're right. That's our extreme. But 75% of the people who tell me that, tell us that, are the ones that they actually need to get up. Because laziness is their extreme. And you will never build anything in your life being lazy or being guarded or, or sitting down. You've got to get up, and it may hurt like hell, but you've got to get up. God, the reason I can tell you this is because I've seen what God does when you decide to get up. Disabilities be darn. I should have just said the word, but I didn't. Learning disabilities. If God called you to go take the apprenticeship or go to college, go to college. Apply for the promotion. I don't care if they say you need a bachelor's degree. If God said on your heart, this is your place, you take that place. You get up. Get up. Go to work. Conquer the morning, man. I was a, I'm not a morning person. I just learned that mornings is when I get the solitude and clarity, so I take it. Get up. Lose the weight. Work the two jobs. Because you may not, because if you don't, you're going to rob yourself a life. And I'm not just talking about quantity, quality, both. I don't know. Get up. I love Netflix. I love streaming TV. But you watch it too much. Every one of you, all of us. I, I used to make fun of married couples who watch shows all the time. Now I'm that guy. That's my escape. But I'm going to tell you, there are some weeks that I get a few, and then there's some weeks I don't get any. Because at some point, taking your place means getting up. It don't mean working hours and getting to lounge. If you're going to build a life, you don't get to work and then go home, work and then go home. You want to build something bigger than yourself? you got to build something bigger than yourself. He prepares a table. You want maturity? You better get up and read the word. You want his presence? You better get up and seek him. You, he prepares it, you take it. David said, I'm getting up. I can't do anything. You can't do anything about it. You can't change it, but you can get up. You can get up. You can get up. And I want my family, I set the precedent in my family. At this church, hey, there's a difference in hurt and injured. You get up hurt. Hey, you may have to get down for a season injured. There's a difference. My football coach in high school said it. He said, if you, ain't, you play hurt, you don't play injured, you play hurt. And there is some fortitude and there's some perseverance. The Bible talks about it. You need to persevere, the writer of Hebrews says. So when you've done the will of God, when you've taken your place, you'll receive what he promised. Tell somebody, say, get up. Get up. Quit feeling sorry for yourself. Quit feeling sorry for what you don't have. Because I'm going to tell you, you're going to be, if you, I'm telling you, when all your friends are buying houses and your credit sucks, it's because you didn't take your place. When you happen to start taking blood, uh, blood sugar medications, you didn't take your place. And God still has a table for you, but it may change a little bit. You better get up. Get up. I've had to lose weight and gain weight my whole life. And I tell Angie, I'm, a no, I'm obsessive about it because I know how good I feel right now, just 20 pounds lighter than last year. And it makes the difference in the life I get to live and the responsibilities God gave me. Take your place or don't say, take it back. Take it back. Take it back. I love little Deborah as much as I did two years ago, but I want to live some life. I don't keep it in my house for that reason because I ain't an alcoholic, but I like some little Deborah. Take your peace back. I swear I'm going to preach a little bit longer, but not too much today. I know I've got like a minute and 30 seconds. We ain't doing that today, but we're going to get close. I know that we're trying to prepare for two services, but I got to be faithful with one right now. I know we're streamlining, but I got to be faithful with what God's given me, and then we'll see what happens with, as it grows. Take your peace back. Say, take it back. David was fighting. And his soldiers come back from the camp. They've been taking care of business, you know, kind of like in Iraq and things like that. They have their camp and they go out to take care of business. They come back and their wives and children are kidnapped. Talk about these soldiers were grieving. And you know who they were blaming? David. And David, this is, and David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. 
because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. David realized his own men were about to turn on him and stone him because they were hurting so bad they didn't see straight, so they wanted to blame somebody. And it said this, but David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. He encouraged himself in the Lord. David's out there all alone in, in a wilderness. Nobody to talk to him. When you don't have anybody to encourage you, you better encourage yourself. When you don't have anybody to speak life to, you better speak. I'm, I'm telling y'all, y'all, I used to make excuses all day. Why are you so stressed out? Why do you don't have any peace? Well, we're just growing so much. I don't have any help. Don't have, you know, we, we just, we're a new church and we're reaching new people and nobody ties and nobody gives and we got all this space and all this growth and no help and, and I'm just overworked and, and my wife's sitting there like, why are you working so hard? Why are you coming home taking out on us? And I'm like, there's just all these excuses. You know when I found peace? When we lost all our people and money two years ago. Now, we still ain't got more money. I'm telling y'all, we're, we're like half the average of what we should be financially because it's just... That's on you. I'm just saying. It's what God wants to do is in your pockets, but I ain't, I ain't here for your pocketbook. God will take care of catalysts even if you decide not to obey him. I had to take my peace back when I lost everything here. Oh, yeah. Made excuses of why I couldn't really focus on pastoring. Oh, the staff, the new staff we had took, a, took initiative. They did their thing. But that's not what took my peace back. When I had nothing but my head to live in and I couldn't even hide from what I had to confront in my life. I finally went back to what saved me as a kid in a broken home. Because I got up here and I was guilty. I studied the word, but I didn't seek his presence because I was too busy. I've never, I've always been a hard, I've never met anybody that works as hard on sermon prep as I do. But now I work, I work harder on seeking his presence and saying, God, I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about you. See, it was, it was losing everything that I said, man, this, this piece is something that God prepares, but I got to take. I got to encourage myself in the Lord because how in the heck am I going to practice what I preach? When I know a lot about the Bible, but I haven't really sought his presence. And I claim to be a worshiper and a praiser and I preach about it, but I don't do it. Because I'm too busy. There's no excuses. You better quit seeking the company of a male or a female and start seeking him. You better quit seeking the approval and acknowledgement of other people and likes and shares on social media. You better seek his presence because Jesus, you better quit trying to make people proud because of your dead dad to, to replace your dead daddy that wasn't proud of you. Stop it. Jesus said, peace, I leave you, I give you. It's a gift. What do you do with the gift? You receive it, you take it. You better seek his presence. And peace is not something that's just given. Peace is something that is received and taken. See, David understood. There's some things in my life I got to take. Not, not receive. Come back to. Gravitate towards. Take it. God gives it, but you got to take it. Lastly, take back your freedom and your faith. I actually want to go to New Testament on this. Actually, can we throw the scripture up? Ooh, no. Okay, my eyes are getting worse by the day. It is for freedom, Paul says, that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again. Say again. Again, by a yoke of slavery. He's talking to church people right here. Keep in mind, this is Galatia. This is the church he planted. He's not talking to people that don't know Jesus. He's talking to people that know them. And he says, do not be burdened again. He's not, talking, he's not preaching to a crowd of people. He's talking to people that at some point in their lives, they got up. See, they got up. See, sometimes what I talked about a minute ago, you got to get up to be able to take your place. You got to get up from the place, the laziness and complacency that, you, that you've settled for in your life. And you got to get up. But sometimes we knew Jesus. We were mature. We were growing, all of us. And what happened is we sat down and we don't even realize that we got up and got away from what he had for us and where we were heading. And you lost time and you lost anointing and you lost a lot of, and your family lost things. And so he says, he's talking to believers. He says, don't get up again. And do you know how we get up from it? Do you know how we start getting distracted with everything else going on? And we get up and get away from it? Do you know how it happens? One decision at a time. One shady business deal at a time. 
one white lie that you don't tell your wife or husband at a time. One moment in here where you are focused on somebody else's stuff because you don't want to acknowledge your own. One person that has hurt you that you were still hurting too long and you've overgrieved. One stingy, greedy, disobedient, dishonest, bitter, I don't care how pretty you can make it, it is bitterness. One decision at a time, we get up. Here's the gospel. He says, don't let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. We go back to old relationships and old mindsets when we're hurting. That's why you see 40-year-olds, they're trying to be 20 again. They, get, they go through a divorce and they don't know, I don't know how to be single again. So you go to the bar where you didn't know how to be single at 20. <laughs> we do it. We gravitate back. We use credit card and plastic thinking it's going to buy us happiness. And it took you for years to get out of that debt, but you go right back to it. You go back to fighting. You go back to throwing bows and having a bad temper. You know, you made a fool of yourself, a fool of yourself 10 years ago. Stop that. One decision, we get up. And we get away from what he has for, for, for us. And the only way to get back is one decision at a time. Same way you got up is the same way you get back. Number one is be honest. Be honest with yourself. Don't talk about what your ex did to you. Don't talk about what the person you wake up next to did to you. Don't talk about your parents. Don't talk about your past. Look in the mirror and say, what can I do? Because this is your place, not theirs. It's your calling, not theirs. It's your mistakes. Don't, the, the fact is that you may have got set up for some bad times. You may have got set back in your childhood, but this place is for you. He prepares a place for me, David said. Yours. And the same way you get back down is the, the, same, way you get back down is the way you got up one decision at a time. You got to be faithful. Be honest and be faithful. I didn't write that in your notes. You can write it down. You want to take your place? Be honest and be faithful. I had to take my place as pastor of this church again. I did. I did. I had to look in the mirror. I mean, I have to, I'm not talking about things I had to handle and things we went through as a church. I had to look in the mirror and say, Ben, where did you miss it? Had nothing to do with it, but where did you miss it? And I had to take my place, Dr. Wes, uh, who walked us through a lot. He's a, I told you all about him last year. He's a counselor in, in California, walked me and Angie through a lot of junk. People will never know about a lot of junk. And he said, Ben, all I can tell you is you got to preach and you got to pastor that church and keep your head down. I, 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 he made it simple. I did that my whole life when things went sideways. Every season, every situation, and he made it simple. He said, Dr. West said, Ben, do not leave your post. God has called you to be the pastor. You preach, you pastor, you lead one decision at a time. He said exactly what Paul said. Get yourself back. Take your place. Take your place. That's how you take your faith back. Acknowledge and be honest that you walked away from some things, that you got away from some things that, that you need to get back to. We love to talk about the toxic things we need to get away from. What about those things you need to get back to, those values that are timeless, those things that everybody loves to talk about progressiveness. I, they, I'll talk about it too. I'm all for it. But there's some things that aren't, aren't progressive. They're just timeless, and you either do them or you don't. They're right. You don't undermine your way to the top. You, you trust God. Honest, faithful, one decision at a time. Ben, will you go ahead and come back up? When I married Angie, and I got this beautiful family, they gave me a seat. I was their pastor. I mean, they never, I, they, our kids are great. They're a little cocky and a little extra just like me. That's why I fit right in. A little feisty. But they never challenged that. I was the one that did. When I got into my family, that spot that was missing that Russ had, it was given to me. I'm the one that took about a year and a half to take it. Because I thought I had to earn it. and I thought I had to feel worthy of it. I thought, I don't deserve this. And they all respected me. I was their pastor before Garrett was even born and and there was this place that God gave me this blessing. I prayed so many years for a wife, for the, what, what God had given me. And it was a year and a half after I walked the, sta walked, the sta walked the stage and got married that I realized this is not something I can earn. This is something I have to just. And I, I can't feel the need to defend it. I can't feel the need to substantiate it. 
I can't feel the need to prove myself or I'm going to miss it all. That's what we do with God. We do that with God. We feel like this good new God loves me. He loves you. And we can tell everybody else he loves you. But we miss taking our place because we're trying to earn it and to repay it. When Jesus said it was finished, it was finished. He prepared a place for you. He gave, he's got opportunities for you. He's got blessings for you. When the Bible says delight yourself in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. There's desires that you don't even know you have because you haven't scratched the surface of what God wants to do in your life. But it is something that God has prepared, but you have to take. And if you spend your whole life on the outside trying to fill an empty seat that all you got to do is take, oh, can I do it? He loves me. He loves me not. You are going to get robbed. Get yourself together. Get up. Take your peace back. One day, one decision at a time. Will you stand with me? Jesus wants to change your life. He wants to shake your world up. He wants to blow your mind. But you got to take, you take your seat. You got to take your place. And it starts with a decision. It starts with saying, Jesus, I want you. I want to come back to the table. I want to go back home just like the prodigal. I want to get back to the table that I'm supposed to be at. I've been lazy. I've been mad. I've run. It's time for me to focus on you. And if I, got, I know I got some people in the place or online, we can throw my email up. We'll reach out to you if you need somebody to pray with you. But right now, Jesus, it starts with a decision. Revival starts with you. And whatever you need to revive in your life. And so right now, I'm going to say a prayer. And if you know that's you, if you know that's you, if you know that you need to come to Jesus or come back, you need to refocus and recommit, you can say this with me because it starts with a decision. And then you go out of here and you take your place every single day. Say this in your heart as I say, actually, let's all say it together. And you say it for the benefit of the people that are saying it again or for the first time. Y'all ready, Catalyst? Say, I'm ready. Say, Jesus, I want you. You have your throne in my heart. And I will take my place in your will. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for raising from the dead for me. I don't want to live dead. Save me. Change me. Mold me. Guide me. I take my place at my gate. In Jesus' name. Can you give him some praise right now? I got some people. Listen to me. If you said that for the first time, if you said that again, that I am taking the place, I'm trusting the place he gave me, the seat he gave me. We are here for you. We're having a baptism. Y'all, we've grown. And so we're having a baptism. It's going to be a big one. 11-6, November 6th. We got sign-ups out in the lobby. We're Y'all, God is moving in this place. The best is yet to come. But we, it, it, the best is yet to come for the people that take their place. They take their seat. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know your story. Let us know how this message impacts your life. You can message us at info at imcatalyst.net. We're here for you and we are for you. If you have a prayer request, you can message us at prayer at iamcatalyst.net. To keep up with what's going on at Catalyst Church in Carrollton, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Jesus cares about you, we care about you, and we hope you join us again on the Catalyst Church of Carrollton podcast.